This episode is sponsored by Belgioso Cheese. Belgioso Cheese is a family-owned and operated company specializing in artisan Italian cheesemaking. Using only natural ingredients and fresh local Wisconsin milk, master cheesemakers handcraft a full line of exceptional cheeses guided by a commitment to quality and a respect for tradition. Ask your distributor about Belgioso's award-winning fresh mozzarella, burrata, ricotta, marscapone, American grana, and parmesan. At Belgioso, every cheese is a specialty. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Extra Serving, a restaurant industry podcast by The Last Bite Network, a product of Nation's Restaurant News and Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Holly Petrie, here with the latest episode. And now it's time to introduce my two co-hosts for the episode. My name is Sam Mokas, Editor-in-Chief of Nation's Restaurant News. And I am Senior Food and Beverage Editor, Brett Thorne. Leanne is on vacation this week, just pointing that out. She did not immediately abandon her post. We did not chase her away. One episode was all it took. She couldn't take it. Couldn't handle it. So Sam, you're wearing green for St. Patrick's Day. I'm glad you were able to stay on theme. I am. And uh, both of you, I'm just extremely disappointed because well, well, I mean, it's, is that green? I, I don't know. I, I'm partially colorblind. So to me, this is kind of greenish. I don't know. Via Zoom, it looks gray or black, but could be green. Actually, now that you do that, maybe that's like a, Maybe it's green. green. Yeah, it could be a green. Okay. Well, this shows that I need better light at home. So there you go. Yep. Sam, I'm going to expense that. <laughs> <laughs> need a green shirt for at least once a year. No, no, I'll, I'll pay for the shirt. You guys pay for the light. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, of course. I intentionally did not wear green because I do not like participating in holidays. And yet, and yet, you have been listening to Irish-themed music and enjoying it. So don't tell me you don't want to participate in holidays I've been enjoying some uh, Dropkick Murphys, some Flogging Molly for today. New theme song for Extra Serving, I think. This week's South Park episode is about St. Patrick's Day. You still watch that, Brett? I will probably always watch South Park. It is the most incisive commentary about our society on television today in my opinion wow not really this week that much a little but not you know high praise high praise from brett thorne butters got arrested for sexual assault because he pinched someone for not wearing green spoilers oh boy that's really saving that episode yeah you know, in this day and age of television, the way we watch television, I spoilers are just always like they're always going to be a thing. Everybody like you can't not talk about a show because the expectation is you just have to have watched it since everything is streaming at all times. Yeah, except Euphoria. Euphoria was not streaming. It was it was live. That was every week. HBO does their shows every week. HBO is still on there every single week. They. HBO is not messing around. They will not drop anything ahead of time. It's just interesting because like one time, one time I tweeted about a winner of Top Chef. This was probably seven or eight years ago. <gasps> Scandalous. And, well, it was like the next day and we had written about the winner. And so I tweeted the a link to the story and somebody tweeted me very angry that they were upset because they hadn't watched the episode yet. And I had spoiled it on Twitter for them. But and and I I think about that often because I'm like, how do you navigate this world where you want to in social media, you want to talk about, you know, what's going on in the shows you're watching when I mean, I don't know. It's just in this everything is always available all the time for you these days. You should just avoid social media if you don't want to talk about the shows and you don't want your show spoiled. I I tweeted a a pretty bad Walking Dead spoiler once. Do you get reprimanded? Uh, only by one person, but I and I apologize. I was like, yeah. "Why are you watching social media if you haven't seen Walking Dead?" And she said, "Because I have to for work. I have to follow you for work." And I thought, <laughs> "I'm sorry." Oh man. Okay. So wait. Now that we're talking about TV and reality TV, Brett, I've actually meant to uh, message you all day about this, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it on the pod because where else? Are you watching the Bad Vegan Show on Netflix? No. <laughs> I, you just know that whole story, I assume. You you probably experienced all that in real life, yeah? No, is it about uh, Mayor Adams? 
No, Sarma, um, Sarma, I forget her last name from um, uh, Pure. Uh, what's that restaurant uh, called? Oh, restaurant yeah, the Matthew Kenny one. Matthew Kenny, yeah. Matthew and his ex-girlfriend, her name is Sarma. And then this whole crazy scandal unfolded with her. And I was watching. I'm like, I bet you Brett knows all about this because here is a New York raw restaurant. If if I am watching TV, I want to turn off my brain. And if it's about food, I cannot turn off my brain. So I avoid all food television. Interesting. Even the good stuff. I understand that some of it is good. And friends will tell me about, you know, the scandals of the avocado industry and i i listened to them there was a netflix show i think netflix about avocado cartels or something i believe that is correct yes wow avocado cartels but i just you know i just want to be left alone to watch my rick and morty and uh big cartoon guy over here you know i think that's interesting for our audience to hear though is that when you are a food journalist as entrenched in food as brett thorne is it does not consume your life in fact you don't want it to you don't want to watch the food tv you you want to watch the regular tv and there's nothing wrong with that yeah correct my at-home cooking is also very straightforward and simple Good to know, but um, I, you always describe your recipes and they always sound so good, Brett. Your food they're always delicious, sounds delicious. They're simple. Do you want to know what my least favorite question to be asked is? What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite restaurant? I hate it. I hate it so You much. get it all the time, don't you, Brett? All the flipping yes. time. Oh my gosh. And it's like, I look, no offense to anybody. If you've asked it to me and you're feeling bad right now or you plan to ask me at some point, I'm just, I'm, I do not have an answer that will wow you. And frankly, as probably a lot of people know by now, I don't go to very exciting restaurants anymore as a parent of young children. Is the answer and, Wendy's? I mean, Wendy's has got to be up there. I mean, yeah, the I, I I like me some some national chains for sure because they're quick, easy, and delicious. But also it's like, what mood am I in? What day of the week is it? What season is it? And can I eat outside, inside? What experience am I getting? Like, I don't have a favorite restaurant. Also, I have, you know, favorite local restaurants. I have favorite restaurants in Chicago when I go to Chicago. Well, you know, I have favorite restaurants in Ohio when I go visit family. So anyway, that is all to say that I, I had a feeling, Brett, that that was going to be the same to you, which is like, don't ask us what our favorite restaurant is. Also, what's the occasion? Who's paying? There are many things that come. How much time do you have? What are you in the mood for? Where are you? Are my children present? (laughs) Are your children present? I like who's paying. I like that. (laughs) It's a factor. Well, and because we are we are very lucky to be able to experience very nice restaurants where we don't have to pay. And that allows you to enjoy it much more because when you had to pay $500 bill or whatever it is, it's not always your favorite thing. Right. I I actually... I actually have kind of a favorite restaurant right now. Oh, okay. So people can ask you this question. Well, I guess because I would be supporting a local neighborhood restaurant that has delicious Thai food. And I lived in Thailand for five years, so my standards are not reasonable. And this place delivers. What is it called? It's called Bangkok Degree. Okay. And uh, the food just really is sensational. So if you're in the Brooklyn area and you're hankering for some Thai food. Brooklyn has two and a half million people, Sam. So you would have <laughs> if you're to in Brett's neighborhood of Brooklyn. And you call me a coastal elite and you don't know Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I called um, Holly a coastal elite yesterday. That was a high point in my day. People <laughs> do not realize how large Brooklyn is. Like they'll, they'll say things like, how many hardware stores can there be in Brooklyn? And my answer is hundreds, maybe thousands, many. There are a lot. Of hardware stores. Isn't Brooklyn Brother, like, isn't Brooklyn, wouldn't it be like a top five city in America if it wasn't already part of New York City? Yes. Yeah. Someone on the West Coast once referred to it as Brooklyn as a neighborhood. And I said, no. No. He said, but I feel dumb living in San Francisco and calling it a borough. But that's what it is. It's a very large section of New York City. Oh, boy. But if you're in my part of Brooklyn, let's hang out. We'll go to Bangkok Degree. Next door is the South African Influence Professional Wrestling themed bar, DDT. I've been there. Yes, you've been there. You know what I learned? 
today we are we are recording this on St. Patrick's Day, and I learned that March 16th is a holiday for professional wrestling fans. What's it called? March 16th, yesterday. <laughs> it's called yesterday. Three, it's three, called yesterday. That's a funny holiday name. You could have um, that every day. For complicated reasons, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, three sixteen. Okay. Yep. Yeah. There's uh, having to do with the uh, very important biblical verse, John three sixteen, and Austin, Steve Austin, being a very hardcore rebel who will mock your religious beliefs, or at least his character will. From what I understand, he's a sweet guy, but he basically said, screw John 316. It's Austin 316. That's right. Oh, okay. I, saw, I used to see that on t-shirts and never understood what that meant. I'm, I, I can't, um, can't throw down, as it were, with the wrestling knowledge and terms and excitement because I do not understand that world. But I don't want to ask you Steve Austin was a reference to. Sorry, 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 Holly. I was walking all over your words. I didn't even know what Stone Cold Steve Austin was from, so no. <laughs> should have walked all over that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a professional wrestler, and we're talking like you know WWE or F, whatever it is now, wrestling with uh, spandex and muscles. Mm. Just my. I hope speed. I explained it. I hope I explained it well. <laughs> I, I mean, we weren't wrong. <laughs> also it's, right. it's entertainment they're not actually harming each other often okay, sometimes like sometimes that. sometimes someone slips there have been fatalities in the ring but not usually okay I, well slipping is is natural it's a natural part of life some people just slip that's that's allowed fatalities <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about food. Let's let's talk. <laughs> or about let's talk food. about food news. Yes, there let's was talk a, about the restaurant industry. There was a lot there of news go. this week, and it was ooh, ooh, a lot of boy. exiting, a lot of exits. It was a CEO palooza this week. I mean, we've said the word palooza on this podcast before. I have because I love the word palooza. But oh boy, oh boy, was it a CEO palooza this week? And the week's not even done. I mean, it's only it's been four Thursday. days of the week. We could have one more tomorrow. For and all we had week. a CEO leave this morning. We we yeah. woke up to a CEO leaving. Carl Howard of Fazoli's left his job this morning. Uh, so we had Wingstop's CEO leave, Starbucks CEO leave last week, Domino's CEO left. I mean, what's going on? You know, I, I mean, a lot of things, but... Um, so let's start with Charlie Morrison of Wingstop because here's a guy who has did an, a remarkable job at that company. They enjoyed massive success during the pandemic, really well positioned company. And he left to go become CEO of a uh, 50 unit salad, fast casual called salad and go um, where I believe he had been on the board. I'm going to put him in a box over here because if I'm if I'm going to guess here based on everything that's coming out of that situation, that was probably him literally saying, I want a new challenge. Maybe he was bored. Maybe he wanted to see if he could go do this again at a salad concept because, you know, he made a statement, made a joint statement with Wingstop. I mean, it, it, all of it felt like, OK, like I think he just wants to go do something else. Doesn't feel like any scandals going on here. The company is certainly in a good position. So maybe this is just him going to, you know, explore something else. When it comes to Kevin Johnson of Starbucks, who is officially retiring, I mean, you know, this comes on the heels of feeling like there's just a lot of stuff going on with Starbucks, just kind of kind of a I don't want to call it a mess. I don't but it just feels a little bit Starbucks has felt a little sloppy, I guess I would say. Certainly it did not fare as well in the pandemic as a lot of brands because of the location of so many of their um, of their shops. But um, but also, you know, just there have been more questionable things, I think, that have happened over the course of Kevin Johnson's tenure than perhaps we experienced in under Howard Schultz's tenure. I mean, Howard Schultz is no saint, but I think he tended to be a little bit more buttoned up with um, and, and, and perhaps a little bit more of a better. I don't want to call him like a North Star for that company, but, you know, he seemed to be a better captain of the ship or whatever you want to say. So point is, is like it felt, felt a little bit like Kevin Johnson retiring was you know, a little bit more emblematic of stuff that was going on at the company. And I, I don't know what's going on with Carl Howard, but I cannot imagine the fat brands 
stuff going on, um, you know, with Andy Wiederhorn in the headlines, perhaps that expedited. He said he wanted to do it for his health. So I hope that, you know, and if you want, if that's true, then all power to him because you should take care of your health. Um, but maybe it's also a situation where, you know, they're part of another company now that is embroiled in a, some scandal. And so, you know, the, he, t- he took his, um, he took the exit ramp when he could, but yeah, going back to then Rich Allison of Domino's, another company that did extraordinarily well in the pandemic and he's coming out, I guess the last point I'd make is the last two years have probably been exhausting for these people. <laughs> they, they, I mean, to some degree, they probably are just like, all right, I got our company through this. I need to go take a break, even for Charlie Morrison going to another job. It's not going to be the same, you know, at a 50 unit fast casual as it is at a billion dollar wing company. So um, there, there's probably some of that going on. And, and then it's just really hard in this industry right now. So it could just be like time for a change. Yeah, I think that's what it is that, you know, the past two years have been really hard and these chains I mean, even Starbucks, they, they got through it. And the other three got through it with flying colors. They did really well. And enough is enough. It re- actually reminds me of when I was three or four years old and I was in a game of musical chairs and I won. And then whoever, the adult in charge said, okay, now we're going to do it again. And I broke down in tears <laughs> because I'm like, I already won. It was very stressful. I don't want to do it anymore. And I, if I were the CEO of a company that, that got through the pandemic and then you have the supply chain issues and now we have a war in Eastern Europe that's going to cause prices to go up and supply chain things to be further screwed up. Enough already. Let me take a break. I'm tired. And then, you know, it's interesting, Sam, what you said about Starbucks. It's kind of become the modern day McDonald's that if which for years was the lightning rod of everything anything anybody was pissed off about they'd say McDonald's terrible and now they're doing it with Starbucks and and that has to just wear on you especially since Starbucks and McDonald's in the olden time where they were the creators of fast food it's a whole new thing it's amazing even though they weren't there was older fast food but nonetheless they were sort of the standard bearer for that and starbucks has been the standard bearer for sort of a new kind or 15 years ago was the standard bearer of a, of a new kind of of restaurant so yeah. you know that kind of shift has to be traumatizing as well i have um, to imagine it must be weird for kevin johnson to live in howard schultz's shadow too because even though howard schultz had stepped away and ran for president even you know you're always in that shadow and 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 the shadow I mean, it, it it clearly exists if he's coming in as interim, like, and they, you know, they said this was a year in the works. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it will be really interesting to see who the next CEO to step into that position at Starbucks is because hello, inherit the shadow. <laughs> like, and, and there's, there's going to be that some degree of like, can you handle this? Because it seems like every time there's a CEO transition, because this is the second time, right? That there's been a, a different Starbucks CEO other than Howard Schultz who did not be very successful. So he came back and this is a second time that has happened. And so, yeah, whoever wants to take that job, it's going to be a, that's going to be a tall order just because you're, you're going to be dealing with the shadow of Howard Schultz and knowing that this is a global behemoth that has been through a Rocky patch. I mean, we did see some speculation on our team that it could be Rich Allison because he was so successful with his technology at Domino's, even though he retired, we think we still think we'll see him. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the retirement term is interesting. I mean, and again, not total, not judging these people's personal decisions. I had Rich air Allison's quotes around that for those listening on the podcast. I put air oh, quotes sure, around sure. retirement. Yes, yes. I, I mean, Rich Allison seems like a young guy. Um, so retirement. I mean, you know, when he makes it dominoes, certainly he could retire, but, um, you know, I, I'm sure he can't stay out for long. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's, that's true. I really, I am still fascinated by the decision by Charlie Morrison though, because there's something really kind of cool about that, I guess you could say, because if, if this is what he, if it was like, I wanted to have a new challenge, maybe he's passionate about salads. If he was on the board of directors for this company, he, he sees potential. He knows what this company has got and that'll be kind of fun to watch because, 
yeah, you make these assumptions that these guys, all they want to, you know, they climb the ladder, bigger job, bigger paycheck, but I, maybe some people just want to make a difference in the world. And maybe that's something he's doing too. So I don't know. I, the carousel, I'm sure we'll keep on spinning. It's like, uh, it's like coaching in the NFL when, you know, everybody gets fired, then you have all these jobs that turn over and people going to other teams and these people aren't getting fired, but it still feels like you could start to see some names popping up at different companies. Well, and Morrison wouldn't be the first person to go from a big company to a smaller company. It could be a new challenge thing. Karen Stutz, who's now the CEO, I think, of, of Native Foods comes to mind. She was in a big chains for a really long time and decided, you know, she wanted to help this little vegan chain. That's right. And Brett and I will not be using sports references um, in the way that we speak about yeah, sorry. Yeah. I saw the empty look in your eyes as I started to go that direction. So, unless you count professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so do we think that we're going to see more? Uh, you know, we always talk about how when one happens, another is going to happen, and how how these things just sort of happen cyclically, and and how you know one IPO happens, another IPO happens, another IPO happens, another IPO happens. I mean. Do we think that, that we're going to see more of these CEOs? Allegedly, some have been in the works for you know a year. They talk about Starbucks, but for some reason, they're all happening now. Is there a reason that they're all happening now, right after earnings? I mean, do we think that we're going to keep seeing more? El Pollo Loco comes to mind. Torchy's just announced CEO. Um, I mean, what? why now, I guess, is my question. And are we going to see more? Yeah, I mean, the only the easiest way to answer that question is it does feel like a transitional moment in time in that I think it's safe to say that the worst of the business impact of the pandemic is behind us. Um, you know, in the thick of the challenges of supply chain labor and inflation, certainly the um, conflict in Ukraine weighs heavy on a lot of people. Um, it, but certainly, yeah, at the beginning of the year, having reported last year's results and all of that. I mean, maybe it's just a, um, an easy transition time, but, um, but I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, this stuff also does happen all year long. It just maybe is a coincidence that everything's suddenly happening here right now. But, um, but yeah, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if some of this is purely the transition of, okay, like it's been a heavy two years. Let's, let's, you know, transition things. And for the sake of my, physical and mental health, I want to step away. You know, that might just be a thing that more people are thinking about. Yeah. What, what Holly asked and what Sam said, I think this, there, there will be probably more because everyone's tired. I mean, we're officially hitting two years. I think, I think today is two years. The 7th uh, or the 15th. The 15th was two years. I don't, what do we mark as, what do we mark as the first day when they, when they called it a pandemic, the CDC called it a pandemic or WHO? Either way, I think we're, we are either at two years or we have just hit two years. The day I remember is March 13th because it was Friday the 13th. And that was, I remember like being the last day in an office before not being in office for two years. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, we're at two years. Yeah. That was my last day in the office and, and St. Patrick's day was canceled. So yeah this can't be the anniversary because it's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, so put we're- Put another way, we're entering our third year. So it makes sense that everybody would be like, you know, we officially had two years. I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. Well, yeah. maybe there's hope because we are seeing some acquisitions again. So we're going on the up and up again. A famous Dave's parent acquired a fine dining- restaurant chain, which is exciting. We're seeing some new acquisitions again. Uh, what do you guys think? We're, we're, we're seeing some exciting movement. We're seeing some growth. I like it. Yeah. I mean, Holly, you and I went to Austin last week to Coex, talked to a bunch of people. Um, listeners hopefully got a chance to listen to some of the bonus episodes we've been rolling out um, on the feed. And Holly and I did a little bit more of an in-depth takeaway from Coex on um, a bonus episode of Extra Serving. But uh, to reiterate something we talked about there was there is cautious optimism among a lot of operators. Um, sales are through the roof for a lot of companies. I mean, you know, business is going very well. But, you know, of course, with the caveat that um, traffic actually is not going super great. And there's 
labor and there's supply chain and there's inflation. So, um, but I, I, the optimism came from a lot of the brands we spoke with said that labor is getting better. It's not totally better, but it's getting better. So they felt good about that. I think they felt good about the fact that you know, barring, you know, if, if you just got rid of inflation, business would be great. I mean, they, you know, people would be pretty happy about where things are. Um, and so, yes, I, I do think there's some optimism as it relates to acquisitions um, and famous Dave's acquiring Barrio Queen, you know, there, there's the, a lot of people talking about all the money sloshing around in the market. And I, I have a sense that that's probably slowed a little bit um, with inflation because that was a little bit more so that last year than it probably will be at least at this point in 2022. Uh, but but there is opportunity. I mean, starting at the beginning of the pandemic, there was always opportunity for acquisition because you're going to have winners and losers and you're going to have some of those winners have some money to spend on not necessarily the losers, but other companies that, you know, seem appealing and are available at a you know better price than they would have been pre-pandemic. So that's why we've seen a lot of acquisition in the last two years. And and there's still more of that going on. So Famous Dave's has made three acquisitions in the past year. One of the companies um, that clearly sees an opportunity to bulk up the company, you know, diversify the portfolio a little bit, bringing in a, a fine dining Mexican chain when it's a you know barbecue parent company. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see more of that, I think. But um, I would say cautious optimism is probably the name of the game going forward, purely because of inflation and because of just the total uncertainty about where the world is right now. Yeah, I mean, well, there's there's always opportunity, and there are all sorts of different kind of private equity companies that kind of want to look at little chains that have proven models of success and kind of need some funding to grow. We're going to see a lot of that. There's, you know, plenty of movement in real estate. There's just, you know, anytime things change, there's opportunity, as Sam said, so... There, there will be, there, you know, there's always movement and activity and excitement, except when things come to a screeching halt, like when the economy collapsed in 2008 or when everything on earth was shut down. But after that, things start to move again and, and there's a lot of opportunity. Well, it'll be interesting to see too. I mean, yesterday the Fed um, increased um, the interest rate and that obviously will have a trickle down effect. And, we, you know, who knows if it actually can help with inflation or not, but it will make an impact on the economy generally. And so restaurants will inevitably feel that some way. Um, and so we'll be seeing that in the coming months, what that impact will be. And I know, I know the Fed's talked about raising interest rates uh, four times, I think this year is what they've talked about. So, so we're, I mean, 2022 will be an interesting year because it'll just be watching this sort of grand economic experiment that has been pandemic and war and, everything else that's going on in the world that all the fun stuff just all the fun stuff down. all at once yeah so fun so fun such a party you know i saw a meme or a, is it, if it's a video is it a meme maybe it was a gif or a gif depending on what school i thought you belonged to and how to pronounce that of all right, i'm team gif team gif over here uh good uh i don't i don't get i, I guess have no I opinion here but i uh saw a little a little short video of a of a girl looking into a book and crying and it, it the caption was a girl in 2050 reading history from 2019 to 2022 but the thing is like look at a hundred years ago when after world war one which killed tens of millions of people we had the spanish flu pandemic which killed 50 million people. And then the Soviet Union had a civil war that was so terrible that people regularly resorted to cannibalism. So, you know, things don't look great now, but have some worse. perspective. But it could be worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, before we get too far off the deep Whoa. end. Sorry. I... <laughs> what we're trying to say is chin up restaurant industry. Right. Yes. It could be yes. cannibalism. It could <laughs> be cannibalism. Chin up. It could be yeah. cannibalism. Uh, that's, that's I don't even. I don't even know what segue you're going to go with here, Holly. What? Do, how would you? Where do you go from here? Uh, I think we're Brett, supposed to, Are we ready to talk about our guest today? We are, Brett. We're ready to talk about our guest today, which I hear is a spectacular interview. 
I thought so. It's um, Jimmy Wang, who is the corporate chef of Panda Express. And we had a really good talk about uh, some of the new plant-based proteins that they're experimenting with. And I talked to him about Chinese tradition of, of plant-based protein, which goes back centuries. They've been messing around with this stuff for a, a really long time with things like mock duck and mock chicken. And so, so I talked to him about that tradition and, and why he didn't go that route with Panda Express. And uh, he's just a really smart, interesting guy, which I kind of knew because we'd met a little bit in the past, but you know, to sit down and talk to somebody as we do in a podcast is really illuminating and, and a really fun part of my job. How wonderful. I cannot wait to listen to it. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Sam. It's been so wonderful speaking with you two today and everybody enjoy the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Belgioso Cheese. Belgioso Cheese is a family owned and operated company specializing in artisan Italian cheesemaking. Using only natural ingredients and fresh local Wisconsin milk, master cheesemakers handcraft a full line of exceptional cheeses guided by a commitment to quality and a respect for tradition. Ask your distributor about Belgioso's award-winning fresh mozzarella, burrata, ricotta, marscapone, American grana, and parmesan. At Belgioso, every cheese is a specialty. How are you doing, Jimmy Wayne? It's good to see you. I, I'm doing great, Brad. Nice to see you. Uh, you are the corporate chef of Panda Express, and you've been doing that for quite a little while, haven't you? I've been at Panda Express over seven and a half years. Wow. Uh, and how did you get there? I feel like you were doing a bunch of other stuff before then. Well, um, I, I had a very interesting career, you could say. I started out working for hotels, uh, had the various opportunities to work for small mom and pop restaurants. Uh, eventually, I opened my own business as well. And you know, during that time period, I also took a teaching job at the now closed La Cordon Bleu in Pasadena. Um, you know, during those time frames, you know, I, I had opportunity to meet with a lot of different uh, Panda Express folks and led me to some opportunity as a side project here and there. Um, obviously, the, one of the biggest call I would say is the, our Panda Express Innovation Kitchen. And it's through building that program, building that restaurant, I was able to really spend some time uh, working on various different innovation for the company. And also during that time as a consultant, I grown to love what we're capable to do and what we are about to do in the future. So you are, are one of the guys behind building that innovation kitchen, right? Yes, I was one of the guys, um, including many other marketing team members. Um, I was also able to work directly with our operation during that time uh, to learn the ins and outs of how to operate that restaurant as well. And you guys have been doing some interesting things there. A lot of uh, plant-based protein experimentation. Right now, you guys have a, a mapo tofu and string bean, both with uh, Beyond Beef, right? Is there a test there? Yes. Um, when we were thinking about as a continuation to expand our menu to satisfy a lot of, you know, flexitarians or vegetarians, you know, we want to think about what we're known for, right? Panda's known for bold flavors. Uh, we're known for the sort of the full flavor meal experience. And then we start to think about what are the vegetables and components that we can really introduce from a plant-based perspective. And mapo tofu is one of my favorites ever since I was growing up. And after visiting Sichuan Chengdu, I have always wanted to introduce to our menu lineup. And funny enough that in this, in this case, as a plant-based, it's much uh, more interesting. Um, and, and it actually satisfied the certain craving for the vegetarians. Um, at the same time, we also able to bring something very traditional and but with our own twist to it. Yeah, Chengdu is the capital of Sichuan province, and it's where uh, Mapo Tofu is from. And, and it's funny because a lot of times when uh, you order from Chinese American restaurants and you order Mapo Tofu, they're vegetarian, they don't have any meat in it, which is absolutely not traditional. Traditionally, it has either minced beef or pork, right? 
Yeah, yeah, traditionally just needs a little bit of the, the, the morsels, crispiness, the texture. Um, and then, you know, in this case with, with the Beyond product, uh, it really helps us to capture that texture, sort of that um, savoriness, even in the cooking process. And I think that's why a lot of our audience or customer lady has been falling in love and going back and buy more and more of it. So you, uh, you, I mean, basically with, with Mapo Tofu, it's, and with string beans, with, with uh, minced meat, the, the meat is really just a little bit of a flavoring and a texture component. And really a lot of it has to do with the spices that you're adding anyway. So it kind of seems like a logical way to, to bring in a plant-based protein and have it serve a purpose for people who don't want to eat meat. Yeah, for Chinese cuisine itself, right? Um, doesn't matter which regional cuisine you're looking at. Um, introducing um, some sort of a way to substitute meat out of the traditional item as a practice has been going on for quite some time, right? And in our effort, what we're trying to do is to make sure we don't lose the essence of the flavor. So like you said, right, we do add in the chili, we do add in the soy flavor, the ginger garlic, all the aromatics but it is cooking those plant-based protein in the wok that has the searing, has the crisping that really help to capture the flavor and enhance the dish. Well, it's, it's interesting, uh, as, as you say, in, in Chinese cuisine, not only is meat often used as a flavoring, but there have been uh, plant-based meat substitutes forever. It's, it's especially at Buddhist nunneries and places like that. There's that they've they've done what what tends to be called mock duck or mock chicken a lot for for centuries. Yeah, um, growing up, you know, my family particularly, they are we're vegetarian twice a month, right? And based on the lunar calendar, you know, the first and the fifteenth. So I remember growing up, you know, mom will always make uh, some kind of a, a vegetarian version of the traditional dish with a so-called a mock chicken or the chicken substitute. And I, I kind of liked it, right? Because it still has the same flavor, it tastes the same. It's about the sauce. It's about how you cook it. Uh, ultimately, you just kind of adjust, right? And in this case, you know, we're not asking our customer to see this dish completely differently. We're just saying that, hey, with additional uh, substitute like Beyond Me, it's actually even a better way to offer it in the same flavor. So did you grow up in the Pasadena area? I grew up in a city called Temple City. Uh, it's close to Pasadena, roughly about 20 minutes away. I moved into the States at the age of 13, close to 14. Uh, so I went to junior high, high school, all the way to today. And before that, you were in Taiwan, is that right? Yes, I grew up in Taiwan. I was born and raised there. Um, you know, my... My, my, I was fortunate enough uh, to be uh, moving over to LA right away. Uh, and then I live in a small city in Claremont and where sort of stay there for about a year before I moved to Temple City. That's cool. So I, I'm just going to ask this just off, off the top of my head. Have, have you guys considered using any of that traditional Chinese uh, plant-based protein in your food? You know, the mock duck, the mock chicken, that, that kind of thing? You know, as an R&D process, we certainly took a look at it, right? We definitely want to examine and evaluate, right, as how does the product perform based on the recipe, based on the flavor. And, you know, these mock products had the tendency to be very soybean-based. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's utterly nutty, right? It's kind of nutty. Um, you can taste a little bit more of the soy flavor. And, but they're also very firm. So it's hard to introduce flavor to it or to add flavor to it. And so we kind of ask ourselves sort of what are the other opportunities, right? Or what is it in the meat substitutes that's better suited for the type of recipe we're developing? And, and I would think there might be some supply issues too, because there are how many Panda Expresses, like 2,000, something like that? Well, we're a little over 2,300. Right. And then we're growing roughly about, you know, 70, 80 locations a year. So, yeah, to, you know, these these companies that are probably used to supplying a few Chinese restaurants, it's a lot harder 
when you have the entire Panda Express empire. Yeah, definitely. We also, because our food safety program, right, we're very meticulous also about who we work with. Uh, and then, like you said, right, a lot of these type of mock uh, ingredient or mock protein, they're developed overseas or in some other country. So, you know, there is a supply chain challenge, definitely. Makes sense. You also did a larger rollout of, of uh, Beyond Orange Chicken, right? Yes, we did. We did. We started out with a, a, a 10 store launch, right? By Coastally, started in LA and New York. York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we sold out amazingly in the West Coast within uh, two weeks. And then, of course, eventually New York finished as well. And with, with that success, uh, we went ahead and, and kind of expanded, right? We went to about a 70 store. Uh, and then we recently finished that supply as well. Uh, so currently, it's, we are evaluating the opportunity. And then hopefully we could announce some really fun good news to you guys. Oh, that's exciting. But I don't want to just talk about plant-based protein because it's honest, sure. it's not that interesting topic. There's so much of that. <laughs> um, and you've been doing other things too. Like late last year, I think it was, you guys uh, tested in your in your innovation kitchen. You did, everyone else is doing a fried chicken sandwich. So you're like, why don't we do an orange fried chicken sandwich? Because orange chicken is your is your thing. That's that's your, your signature menu item, right? So so. What was that like, making it into a chicken sandwich? So obviously orange chicken is our number one item, right? Our guests love it, we're known for it. And the flavor profile, the texture, the experience is what people come for and crave for, right? So then we ask ourselves, how else can we deliver the same experience? That's slightly different, right? And how else can we allow the sort of the new world today, which is all about convenience, all about portability, travel. Um, and then, you know, we want our customer to not think about eating something out of a pail, but be able to sort of say, put it in their hands and eat while they're on a drive, on a walk, or something just simply to be on the go, right? Mm-hmm. And then so that's why we decided to kind of tackle the chicken sandwich. And in our point of view, it's definitely not trying to compete. It's not about who's better, but it's more about can we create a version that really satisfied the craving and is still added those attributes. Uh, so the, the, the entire experience was great, was fun. We look at so many different elements of it, such as, well, what type of bread, right? Uh, orange chicken is so unique. It's, it's, it's a chicken that's completely coated with sauce. So what would be a good bread that's considered as a vehicle, right? Uh, the other thing is also, what kind of texture can we add to this sandwich eating experience so that it's not just one dimensional, but you feel like every bite, something's fresh, something's going. So we kind of start to think, well, can the pickle really make a difference in this particular item? Can shredded cabbage add some freshness and texture element? And then ultimately, when they're all together, <clears throat> is that still satisfy and craveable? Uh, and then that's the journey kind of we walk through. And I'm looking at the menu description and you had a spicy aioli. You did have shredded cabbage. You had thick crinkle cut bread and butter pickles and you ended up serving it on King's Hawaiian, right? Yes, we, it's fun. It's so it's a fun journey, right? Again, this is around the bread. This is around the ingredients. So we have a piece of crispy hot fried chicken, right? That's uniquely coated. It has this beautiful shattering texture. And then we coat it with our signature sauce. And then, so when we started, uh, we think about the bread as in, well, should it be toasted, untoasted, right? Should it be sort of what type of wheat base even? And ultimately we just thought about what this whole eating experience is around highlighting the orange chicken. So we, we wanted to have a little bit of sweetness in the roll, in the bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also wanted a bread that we didn't need to toast. And because what we realized that a lot of time when you toast the bread, the bread had the tendency to collapse once you combine it with the rest of the ingredients. So King's Hawaiian bread in, in the testing process, we just felt like, hey, it's, it's really fluffy, light, uh, it's, it's savory, but also a little bit sweet. Uh, so King's Halloween became our favorite. 
And so you tested that at the Innovation Kitchen for like a, for like four weeks or something like that, right? Did Are we going to see it larger? Are we going to see it anywhere else? We had some great success with it. And we got a lot of feedback from the consumer, right? People who love orange chicken and also people who love chicken sandwich in general. And, you know, as the business, as our brand continue to grow and when we look at the current state of sort of the restaurant business altogether and the technology that's growing, the trends that's happening, uh, we want to continue to look at handheld. We'll continue to tackle this assignment and we might even introduce some more other handheld sandwich style at the Innovation Kitchen to validate and try. Now I'm imagining orange chicken in like a, a, a mushu wrapper so that you could that that would still be you know more more of a, a Chinese product and still a handheld. Yeah, that's that's some free some free R and D feedback for you. <laughs> um, although I mean, Panda Express's job isn't to be authentically Chinese anyway, right? It's a Chinese American restaurant, and so we yeah yeah you you kind of nailed it right there. We we are trying to we are American Chinese. Right. So we wanted to have Chinese origin, Chinese foundation, Chinese inspiration, right? Chinese ingredients. And then at the same time, the Americanness about our brand or about our cuisine is around that global influence, right? A little bit of other immigrants and other people coming to America, how that affected the, the diet, the taste, the flavors. So in this case, uh, the mushu wrap is awesome, right? And then we could even look at sort of a flatbread, right? And then that could be very exciting and it feels Chinese, but yet also something very acceptable to every day. Wrap it in a scallion pancake, which would not be very Chinese in terms of how you use a scallion pancake, but it would be delicious. Yes. And, you know, we, we had some really fun experiment with it. Well, we also encounter a little bit of a toughness, right? When you, when you think about the amount of crispiness around the amount of texture that's happening in your mouth, you know, after a while, like our jaws start to get a little tired, oh. <laughs> start to get a little fatigue. And then we're like, oh, okay. So although we love it, right? We love the texture. We love the flavor. We love the story. But we also had to consider the eating experience for, for all of our guests. Sure. That's, that's why there are people like you to try this stuff out. You can't just put it on the menu at 2,300 restaurants. Um, and and I, you're... you're Marketing people at Panda Express have also pointed out that although you're a, you're a giant restaurant company, there are like 50,000 Chinese restaurants in the United States. So you're the largest Chinese chain, but there are so many individually owned Chinese restaurants that you're just, you know, one of many, many operators, which is something. Yes, you yes, yes. Uh, but but yeah. you, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. That, that's all. Okay, you also, in November, you guys came out with Panda Cub meals, right? Kids meals that fit the USDA requirements and they're under 600 calories. Was, was that a, a lot of work for you or was it just kind of measuring and reworking things? So as a company, we have started a couple of years back thinking about sort of what is continuous improvement look like for the brand? when it comes to our food, when it comes to our ingredient, when it comes to our menu, right? We, we're known for these dishes, we're known for the flavor profile and the taste. And we wanna to continue to grow the brand to also focus on improvement. So as one of the initiative is not only to look at ingredients, improving ingredients, but also look at the meal altogether. So in this case, Kids meal was the first one of them we tackle and we wanted to improve upon it. And then we had some success with it thus far. And we're happy about the change. On top of that, um, on our current core menu, as a Panda promise, we are removing artificial uh, flavor, artificial color, you know, artificial sweeteners, right? We want to go as natural as possible. And, and in the sequence, we're also thinking about reducing sugar, reducing sodium, these are just all the things that will continue to improve. And that requires a lot of work, I guess, because you want it to taste pretty much the same, but you have to figure out how to do that with, with more natural ingredients and less sugar and sodium. So that's, what, what's, what's the process for figuring out how to do that? 
So imagine every iteration, right? Uh, from the food development perspective, we look at sort of the raw ingredient that's being added to it, right? And then we've done what we call the bench top samples, kind of evaluate from that sort of taste perspective, right? And then what we wanted to do is look at how the product, when it's heat treated versus when it's held at our serving table. And we want to do blind tests. Uh, we want to make sure that, you know, the color studies are the same, the taste in terms of sugar, complexity, they're all the same. So we've done some sensory testing even just to make sure that we meet the satisfaction of our guests. And then we can honestly say, okay, this formula is ready to go into a larger production and, and then kind of take it into our restaurants and see how it does. That's cool. And you guys have been offering, even though everyone comes in and orders orange chicken, you do have lower sugar, lower calorie items. And, and a while ago, it's been a while now that you don't have to have rice with your meal. You can have mixed vegetables instead, which is... I usually get yes. an option when I'm going, I'm traveling in the airport, I go to a Panda Express. I love nice. it. I would eat rice every day, all day long. But, <laughs> you know, I, I tend to consume more calories than I burn. So it's nice to, to have vegetables as, a, as an option. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are, I mean, there are, you, you can eat healthily at Panda Express. You don't have to get the orange chicken, which, which isn't terrible, but it has a lot of sugar, a lot of fat. Mm. We're, we're basically, if you look at it, right, we have, we have the uh, diehard uh, customers that just love our orange chicken, right? And then we know that. But at the same time, we also want the customer to know that, hey, you know what? You can have that on Monday, maybe Tuesday, but on Sunday, come back again. Because guess what? We also have what we call the walk smart dishes, right? And they are 300 calories or less, and it has at least eight grams of protein in each of the servings. And so technically in our restaurant, one of the best part about our serving table is the fact that we have variety. We have variety of flavor, variety of protein, variety of vegetables. So it's up to the guests to decide how they want to build a meal experience and what their moods are for the day and then what's their diet for the week. Yeah, and you've introduced some cool items. Last March, you did wok-seared steak and shrimp, which had potatoes in it. Yes. And red and yellow peppers and stuff. Uh, was that, that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's the, I don't want to call it all American vegetable, right? But it is a very popular American vegetable. We've seen it in so many different formats thus far, where there's mash, fry, right? Uh, chips. And then in, in the way, it, it is us sort of paying homage to the American cuisine part of it, right? And at the same time, we also want to kind of combine this uh, so-called lowbrow, highbrow eating experience, right? We have some premium shrimp, we have beautiful steak, and we have this hearty vegetable. And then when you combine it together, it's healthy, it's delicious. It's almost kind of taking this kind of steakhouse experience, but done it in a American Chinese cuisine. How, and how did it do? Because it was, it was an LTO, right? Yes, it was an LTO. It was very successful. Our operators are actually telling us that we should do it. We should do it more often. We should bring it back again. Well, that's cool. And then in August, you did a crispy almond uh, chicken breast. And that had an interesting coating, right? It had like a, a rice puff coating with almonds and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, continuous improvement, continuous innovation is our, is our theme here with, with, with my team and, and the brand, right? And then we know that we <clears throat> had a success with orange chicken and many other chicken dishes on the menu. We continue to want to push the boundary. So the question is, what would it be like for you to eat a piece of fried chicken where you are just amazed by the texture, the textural differences, and then feel like it's very uh, substantial in terms of amount of protein that you're getting. And also it's very savory that it's craveable, right? So in the process, we decided to want to use chicken breast as our ingredient so that we can feel that it's substantially amount of protein. And then for the coating system is where we kind of went through this uh, innovation process 
figuring out what type of starch and what type of wheat and, and what type of grain can we use to allow to create this sort of puff, crisp, and, and also like able to absorb flavor very well at the same time. Uh, so the trick here is using brown rice in, oh. in actually in our formula. And that really made a difference in terms of the final result and final texture. That's cool. And then it was stir fried with almond, with sliced almonds, right? In like a soy so, sauce? Yeah, yeah. So we had a very savory uh, sauce that has a good amount of garlic in it. And it has a, not as sweet, actually. It's more on the savory side. And what we wanted to do is, again, talking about texture, right? So at the very end, off heat, we're adding uh, about three ounces of sliced toasted almonds to it, right? And then what happened is these almonds are now sticking to the sauce and sticking to the chicken. So essentially, when you take a bite, you got that nutty crunch. You also got the crispy rice crunch. And then, then you get into this juicy piece of chicken inside. Sounds great. So is, is that chicken breast with the, with the uh, rice coating, do you fry that? Do you bake it? How, how is that prepared? Or how was it prepared? Because I think it was only a December. It is uh, crispy fried. So okay. it's a fry in the fryer. <clears throat> and then uh, we want to make sure that it, it takes to the, the color and the degree that we're looking for. And, you know, it's always golden brown, right? Um, and then when we're going back to the wok toss method, what we want to do is just make sure the product has, was able to stay in the wok to absorb enough sauce so that you can actually taste the seasoning of it. Sounds great. So are you going to use that Thank kind you. of coating in, in the future on more stuff? Oh, we've been playing around quite a bit. Uh, we try it on different proteins. We try it on some shrimp. Um, and then we try it uh, on the chicken sandwich, actually. Ooh. Uh, so the similar coating, pretty much I would say it's a 90% match at this point. Um, of, and, then, and then what we realized that it really helped the chicken sandwich to stay in shape, right? Because oh. a lot of times you, you notice when you get the chicken sandwich, the coating's kind of falling apart uh, or sort of it's not adhered properly. And then with this particular coating, it's done, doing a good job for us. And then so we'll continue to, you know, sort of optimize or improve upon it. That's cool. So it's, it's a new year. I mean, it's a, it's a new year everywhere because it's just, we're, we're talking in early February, but it's really a new year for uh, East Asians in China, Japan, Korea, Vietnam. It's the year mm -hmm. of the tiger. Um, yeah. Happy new year. Happy new year. Thank you. And do, so what can you tell us about Panda Express's plans for the Year of the Tiger? Well, we, we, have, <laughs> we, we definitely have uh, many things to celebrate, right? Um, and when it comes to Lunar New Year. And right now we have our Lunar, Lunar New, uh, sorry, we have our family, family feast, family meal feast that's currently in promotion. And then in there, we, we want to celebrate these signature items that has a representation about the Lunar New Year, right? And then Lunar New Year celebrations about happiness, joy. It's about prosperity. It's also about fortune, right? It's about sort of setting up the, a, a new look, a new perspective for the new year. And so we're all about that when it comes to celebration with our guests and with our family. And then for this year, particularly, we're also looking at different ways to celebrate our food, right? We're going to continue to come up with awesome LTOs that is guest favorite. And then uh, hopefully everything goes right, right? We want to continue to bring out more innovation throughout the year so that our consumer can, uh, our customer can continue to experience different improvements that we do with our menu. Um, and then to close out, um, this one, this year is also a big year for us is because it's, we always look forward to uh, the, the day for our orange chicken birthday as well. Okay. So hopefully we'll be able to kind of have that celebration with our guests uh, and then do something fun over there. When is orange chicken's birthday? 
You know, I don't know the exact date, and uh, but we will be announcing uh, some type of program or some type of celebration with that soon. Well, that's exciting. Uh, Jimmy Wang, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. It's always a pleasure to hang out. Usually yeah. we'll do it in real life, but, but yes. it's nice too. Yes, yes. I look forward to be with you in person again in our restaurant. And then uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm just very glad that we had this chat. I was really glad to have you.